The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Lewis Carr, host of the Blueprint Connect podcast. The Blueprint Connect podcast is an extension of the Blueprint Men's Summit, where we have consistently given men a prescription for growth, not just for themselves, but also for their families and their communities. During these podcasts, we will educate and motivate our listeners about entrepreneurship, careers in corporate America, finances, health and wellness, and relationships. Today, we have as our special guest, Sean G, president of Live Nations Herbal. Welcome, Sean. Thank you, thank you, pleasure to be here. How you been doing, man? Uh, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Sean, you've been in the entertainment business for over two decades, working with some of the biggest names and artists that we've come to love and know. Uh, The Roots, Jill Scott, Lil Wayne, Kanye, but prior to getting in this business, you were in the banking and finance business, all right? Tell us how you were able to make such a dramatic transition. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting because, um, you know, coming up, you know, as a kid, I'm from Philadelphia, born and raised in Philly. Um, you know, I was, I was heavily uh, focused on education. Um, so, you know, went to a magnet high school in Philly, um, went, uh, to, uh, uh, undergrad, I was, a um, majored in accounting, went to business school. Um, you know, so in my mind, my path was always going to be, um, I didn't necessarily always going to be banking, but it was something in the professional services realm, right? I was, I was going to be successful. Um, I was going to make, make, make money. 
Um, and I was going to make my mama proud. Um, so the sort of banking realm that I, that I, that I chose, um, came from my experiences in grad school. Like this is like the mid nineties. I was in business school at George Washington university. Um, I had went through a period of, of, of jobs. I'll call them that things that I thought I might've wanted to do. But once I got in them, I realized, okay, I sort of eliminated them off of my list. Right. Like I thought I wanted to be an accountant, but nah, I don't want to be an accountant. I thought I wanted to be in corporate finance, but mm, maybe not so much. So when I went back to school, they were sort of at that time, this is again, mid nineties where we were in business school. You were prepared for two things. You're either going on wall street or you're going to consulting route. If you didn't do one of the two, you know, you, you failed, <laughs> you know what I mean? You wasted your time. So for me, I went wall street, um, and you know, got a great opportunity um, working, uh, mainly in New York, but I had an office in New York and an office in Zurich, Switzerland. Um, you know, young, I was, I don't know, 25 at the time, the youngest vice president of private banking at Citibank. But, um, like my previous position, I quickly realized that, um, you know, I was walking in someone else's footsteps. Like I, I wasn't making myself happy. Uh, making more money than I had ever made, you know, in my life, making more money at that time than my parents had ever made in their lives. Um, but, um, you know, still had that sort of search of that. Is there something more like, or is this it, you know what I mean? And, you know, trying to figure that out. So for me, my plan, my vision, my, 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 everything that I saw for myself was going this sort of corporate route through banking um, and then I was approached by, uh, who was then the, the manager of the roots, um, and said, I need your help. You know, again, roots being from Philly, me from Philly, we've known each other. Black thought is my cousin. So I literally known him my whole life. Um, the manager was like, I need your help. You know, I've been the guy that always hung around the band and came to the shows and drank up all their liquor backstage and, and, and left, right. And left and went to work the next day. But he asked for, um, help in the sort of business structuring of the band at that point in time, financial agent, dealing with agents, dealing with labels and financial infrastructure. Um, and you know, I said, sure, you know, and, uh, that is where I always tell people like, I never actually found my passion. Mm -hmm. My passion found me, you know what I mean? Cause it wasn't something I was looking for. It came and found me. And immediately I was like, okay, this is a direction I'd like to go in. So, so how did you get the, the, the confidence and the courage to go from a Citibank, this huge global brand, to managing the roots? Yeah. I mean, I mean that, 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 that's like a big transition. How, how did you get that sort of confidence and, you know, courage, really, yeah. to take the leap? No, it's funny because... Um, as I was making the decision, the final decision to leave the bank, um, I called some of my, my classmates from business school, right. And they were working at, you know, JP Morgan and, you know, Deloitte and all of these, you know, the consultants in the banks. And I'm like, I'm thinking about something. I'm thinking about jumping out and, uh, and in, in, into the music industry. And they, you know, some of them were like, Oh, cool. Great. Like, what, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I'm a man is the roots. And they were like, who? <laughs> like you gonna do what <laughs> but um honestly man it, it, it was a period of um i'd say it's a period of probably six months where i was doing both you know i was figuring out this music industry thing 
you know, the manager, my partner at the time had said, um, you gave me a couple phone numbers, like here's the A&R and A&R admin from our label. Here's our booking agent. Here's, you know, our, 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 you know, current business manager, right. Figure it out. So I was like, sort of, it was like a puzzle that I was figuring out on one side while I was still had a book of business that I was servicing on the bank side. Um, and you know, along that journey, it became like, okay, I'm sitting in the office for literally 12 hours a day. Like I'd get there at seven in the morning and it's six, seven, eight, nine at night. And I'm still there. Um, and like eight or nine hours of it was me on the phone, like putting tours together for the roots and talking to the label. And I, you know, four o'clock would come and I'm like, I didn't do anything. Of it. <laughs> I haven't done anything for the bank. Right. So it was one of those things where, um, I just, it, 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 it was, it was passion. It was energy. It was, you know, what did I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about? Did I think about, you know, my, my client in Zurich, Switzerland that is calling me saying, you know, his kid is coming to New York for the summer. Can you, you know, deposit this in his account and make sure he doesn't spend too much of his money? Or was I thinking about, you know, building this sort of tour strategy for this club and theaters or merchandise strategy, you know, so it, it, it sort of overwhelmed me. Um, and quite honestly, I went to my mom and, um, and, 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 and said a prayer, you know, I was, you know, I was like, God, please, you know, this is what I'm feeling, you know, show me, show me the way, you know what I mean? Like if this feeling is, is, is where I need to be, please show me the way. And, you know, I got those, you know, time after time, I, you know, he, he showed me the, the, that this is it, follow, follow this path. And, um, I said a prayer and jumped out on faith. So was, was music always like a passion of yours? Is that, you know, were you that person that, you know, whenever a new hit came out, you know, you would be the first person to get it or I mean, how did that kind of come about? Yeah, I mean, I'm a hip hop head, you know, I'm first generation uh -huh. hip hop, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, again, I'm, a, I'm your, you know, sort of typical inner city kid. I play ball, I play basketball, like I got a basketball scholarship to undergrad. So it was like basketball, hip hop, school, you know, education. Um, so it, I was always, I'm always a music fan, you know, but I was the guy who, um, I, I'm the friend who always used to argue about, you know, who, who's better, Biggie, Jay-Z and Nas, right? I, I, I was that, I was that. I was more like a hot take type of music guy than someone that was really paying attention to the details of reading liner notes and, you know, talking about the history of music. Cause you know, an interesting thing about my upbringing is, um, my mother's death. Oh, you wow. Know, my, my mom's, my mom was when she passed away, but my mom was deaf. And one of my brothers who lived with me, who lived with us for, for a period of time, um, was deaf, you know, so coming up, you know how some people are like, yeah, I, you know, my mom used to listen to Minnie Ripperton and it was music in our house when they were cleaning on a Saturday. We didn't have any music in our house. You know, so my experience with music was, you know, going outside the house with me and my friends um, experiencing hip hop culture, you know, as a whole. Right. You know what I mean? Breakdancing, graffiti, uh, you know, all of that, going to parties like that was my first experience with music because we didn't have music. I didn't have music growing up in the house at all because you know, most of the majority of the people in my, in my house couldn't hear. Um, so, so I, you know, yeah, the short answer to your question is I've always been interested in music, but more so from a fan and, and, and a hot take than a, than a career. So with, with, with your mother and, and brother being deaf, did that 
did you have to work on multiple communication skills uh, no. coming up? And, and and how did that affect you in trying to communicate in business and, and entertainment and things like that? No, it's interesting. I always say my first internship was with my mom because my mom, my mom, um, short story, uh, she uh, dropped out of high school in 10th grade. She had my sister and my two brothers there. I'm 13 years younger than my closest sibling. She had them when she was 16, 17 and 19. Right. She had me when she was 32. Um, but so dropped out of high school, sort of self-made, um, you know, worked a couple jobs, uh, but she learned the real estate business. So she was sort of buying investment properties, et cetera, et cetera, you know, as, as she was getting older. Um, and you know, when my brothers and sisters all left the house, um, it was up to me to really be her translator. So I'm eight or nine years old. She's negotiating a deal with the electric company on the phone, but I'm on this side of the phone. Cause she could talk. She lost her hearing when she was 60. She lost her hearing when she was pregnant with my daughter, with my, with my uh, sister. So she could talk. So I'd be on the phone and she'd be like, no, no, tell them that bill. We're not paying that. You know, they need to come out. And I'm like, uh, sir, you know what I mean? She said, so just the sort of art of negotiation, the art of business, wow. the, the cadence. Like I, I tell, I tell my younger uh, employees, every assistant that I have is like, sit on the phone and pay attention to the cadence of business conversation. Right. Because that, that, that will tell a lot. If you just understand that cadence and can fit into that cadence, you'll learn a lot. Right. So, but I was blessed to learn the cadence of business, you know, at, you know, literally eight, nine, 10 years old, I'm negotiating real estate deals for my mom. I'm the translator in between, you know, and the person on the, and, my, and person on the, like, tell your mother this. And I'm like, no, I don't think you want me to tell her that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So it, it definitely growing up in that environment definitely helped sort of elevate um, and amplify, you know, the sort of business side of my life. So how did you make this transition from managing artists and artist tours to Live Nation, being an executive of Live Nation? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Roots and Jill Scott, they were my first two clients, um, both from Philly, you know, literally knew both of them, you know, prior to me getting into music. Um, and, and, and interestingly enough, both of them came to me. You know, the Roots came to me to help. Jill and her husband at the time came to me because I had, I was the guy who was dealing the root, you know, managing the roots. Um, so those are sort of my first two clients. I learned the business that way. I didn't really have a title, you know, because again, the roots had a manager. I call my, I call myself business manager um, because I was dealing with the finance, but I was dealing with the business side of management. Like both of my partners in the roots and Joe Scott business early on, they were creatives. So I'm dealing with the touring, tour strategy, you know, merchandise. I'm dealing with the label, laying out the budgets for the albums, marketing budgets, plans. So, so that's, that's how I enter the business. Um, 2004, I get a call from Miss West, Miss Donda West, and said, you know, hey, my son, he's released his first, he's released his first album. He wants to go on a tour. Um, and you know, his team was all sort of, they, all they managed prior to that were producers. So they never managed an artist. Um, and they said, she said, I'm, in, I'm interviewing people to come on as part of the management team to really help us build tours. And I keep hearing your name because of what you do with the roots. So she flew me out, sat with her, sat with her son, Kanye, and they hired me on the spot. Right. So that was sort of an integral point in my career because 
I came in and I was specifically focused on building touring career, building a touring profile, right? So the first tour we did was a school spirit tour off of the, off of the back of college dropout. And I worked with Kanye for six years. I think the last tour we did was um, a watch the throne. Right. So from there, you know, helped build from a college and club up to an arena arena and stadium. Um, did this a similar thing with Lil Wayne, came in at a point in time where, you know, his touring didn't match his, his album profile, helped build him. Um, the same similar thing with J. Cole. So after a while, I became known as that black dude in the industry that knows touring. Because quite honestly, it was all white folks. You know, it's all white folks on all on all sides of the of, of the equation. You had you know a black artist on one side. You had a, a an audience that were consumers of black culture. I won't say black audience because it was a little bit of everybody that consumed black culture on the other side. But the entire business infrastructure between was all white people, right? Mm-hmm. So that became my reputation. I, I uh, so how did you manage that though? I mean, so you're the black guy. The black business guy mm-hmm. dealing with white guys. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't probably welcome you with open arms. No, absolutely not. <laughs> but so, how did you manage through those hurdles and challenges, uh, both personally and professionally? Um, I think I'll answer professionally. Um, I knew that I knew my. Okay. You know I mean? at, at, at the end of the day, I had supreme confidence that. You know, based off of my, especially as I started achieving more, right? I knew when 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 Miss West hired me with Kanye on the School Spirit tour in 2004. By that time, I'd probably done three to four hundred college shows with the Roots, right? So as I'm as I'm walking into this, let's build this college tour. I'm like, I know, I know that I know this. So it's nothing, no wool that anyone could pull over my eyes. No, the level of confidence. And as I continue to achieve more, I continue to learn more. And the, and, and, and the other part of it is it was black culture. So I knew that I knew black culture more than anyone on the other side of the table. Right. So it was a combination of me, you know, actually knowing what I'm doing you know, understanding the audience better than anybody in the room and having the confidence to stand up and, and say, I know who we're selling to. I have the support of my artists. This is how this is going to go. Right. Um, wow. But while at the same time, still being open enough to learn, you know, because there were, there are things, there were nuggets, there were, there were jewels that I could learn from these more experienced folks, you know, the white folks that have done the Rolling Stones and you two, you know, as well. So really cap, you know, building that, 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 that relationship with everyone in the room, but also having the confidence to know I belonged in them. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. So, so, so that was, that was sort of how I did it on a, on a, on a, on a professional level. Um, I mean, I think, I think personally it was just fulfilling, you know, I was, I was, I was in my world. I I found my passion. Right. So I always say the last time I actually went to work was the last day I had a city, you know? Um, so the personal and professional all became sort of one, right. Because I was, I was in it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm up at three in the morning, you know, ideating around, you know, tour marketing ideas. Right. And quite honestly, 20 plus years later, I still am, you know, We'll be right back with more of my interview. 
after this quick break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount+, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. So you are president of Live Nation Urban. Yes, Describe to our audience what that is and exactly what do you do? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, Live Nation Urban is a venture between myself and Live Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, Live Nation owns um, 51%. I own 49%. Um, you know, so technically I'm not an employee of the company. We're, we're business partners. Um, Live Nation Urban came to, um, came to fruition after about I would say a year of conversation between me and the executives at Live Nation. Again, going back to my story, as I was negotiating these big tours for these artists, nine and a half times out of 10, the person on the other side was Live Nation, who I was negotiating with, right? Um, I, during that process, was introduced to a mentor of mine, a gentleman by the name of Al Heyman. Um, Al sort of immediately wrapped his arm around me. Al was the only... Um, you know, so I won't say the only, there's several, there are several black promoters. He was sort of the, the, the top black promoter in the business for decades, like for decades, he had reached a point that no other black promoter had ever, had ever reached. I mean, Michael Jackson, Rick James, yeah, I need a big, like, like name them. They, it, Al Heyman, right? So he and I, I did a deal with him on the, um, Lil Wayne tour. He was the promoter on the live nation side. And he just wrapped his arms around me and said, literally on the third call I had with him, he said, young brother, I'm going to hand this over to you. And again, we're in the middle of like a negotiation. I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. Like, whatever, man. Like, what about catering in Detroit? Like, how right. is this budget? So, I, you know, you know um, and I look back on, you know, years later, I look, I remembered it, but I didn't pay attention to it. So anyhow, um, you know, as I started 
negotiating a deal with Live Nation, my thing to them was like, look, at the end of the day, no one takes artists, you know, inclusive of black artists, black artists, white artists. No one takes artists that are um, successful and it makes them superstars in the live space. No one like Live Nation. Like, you know, once a, once an artist breaks through and, 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 and you're successful, like Live Nation has the biggest, best machine for amplifying them in the live space, whatever that cap is on amplification, right? I said, but you're not incubating black culture. You're really cream skinning. You know, you're really seeing who makes that. You're playing, I call it the whack-a-mole with black culture. Somebody pops up, future is hot, I'm going to cut them a check, boom. You know, this person pops up out of black culture, I'm going to cut them a check, right? I said, there's so much opportunity out here in the live space for A, to sort of incubate black culture, build more touring artists, invest in black entrepreneurs that are in this space because they're being, they're being, um, I won't even call it minimized. They're, they're not even being taken seriously, right? And building out partnerships to build a true business focusing on black culture. So that's what Live Nation Urban is. Live Nation Urban is the venture within the, within the organization that focuses, my, my thing is we focus on hip hop, R&B and gospel. Blinders, right? And we build events, we build music festivals, we build series and we build partnerships. So, you know, some of them may be a small club level partnership with the brand. Some of them may be a, a, a partnership with an artist to build out an artist curated festival, right? And everything in between. So that, that's who we are. So last year, COVID upended everything. Shut it down. Now we're coming out of it. What does it look like for your business as we sort of look forward, meaning the industry business, not yours in particular. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, probably other than the obvious, which is the healthcare industry, healthcare in general, you know, our society's health. Um, other than that, the live entertainment business was probably ground zero for COVID, meaning as far as impact, you know, um, in that, everything shut down, every show shut down. Um, and, and the impact was tremendous, um, on the business at whatever level you operated in the business. Um, you know, as we sort of come out of this 21 has been a really interesting year because it's been a year of, um, of, of, of really trying to, trying to forecast and trying to transition. Um, there was a, there was a window of period, I'd say probably like May to like July, early July 4th, where we thought COVID was over. <laughs> right. It was like, it's done. You know, we're good. And literally I put up five festivals on sale during that period. <laughs> like, like the month of July, I put up four to five festivals on the month of June to into July. Um, as did, you know, other members in the industry, festivals, tours, right? And then Delta came. Um, so by the time those festivals played, we had to deal with, um, mandates, COVID mandates, you know, and those mandates weren't at a national level. Those mandates were at a local and regional level and they differed, right? They differed in each, in each, in each uh, market. So of those five festivals that I actually put up, three of them played and were hugely successful. Two of them I had to cancel 
because of, you know, differing COVID mandates in different markets. Right. And across the industry, you saw that you saw some tours that went up and went well. You saw some tours that were went up and did not do well. You saw some tours that were canceled, some festivals that were canceled, others that you look on Instagram and it looks like a million people out there. So it's, it was a, um, it's, it's been a, a uneven sort of return, but I think it was important because I mean, obviously first thing is safety. First thing is health. Um, second thing is, is following your local governance, right? Safety, health, local governance, right? But if you can get through that um, and put on an event that's safe, health conscious, and abides by the rules of the local governance, it was important to show that live is back, right? So it was, it was important to break through. I think 2022, now that we've sort of adjusted and understand the, 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 the current mandates that are in place, as long as on the, on the health side and the safety side, there, there isn't a main, a, a big change. Um, I think 2022 is going to be phenomenal, you know? So, so do you think that for the consumer, they'll think we're back to a normal next year because they won't be able to see behind the curtain, behind the stage or all of the planning. Do you think it'll be back for, from a consumer standpoint? I mean, it depends how, how you define normal. Like we'll never be where we were, um, you know, February of 2020 ever again, um, in the business, you know, so a new normal, absolutely. But, you know, our, there's going to be elements of the live business, um, that are changed forever. You know, some, again, some from a, a health and safety protocol perspective, but then others I'll say, you know, the digital engagement that we were all forced to do during COVID, you know, one of the things that, you know, as festival producers, as entrepreneurs, as business people in the live space, we're looking at is, okay, how do we incorporate that into the new live model? Right. We weren't thinking about that in February, 2020. It was like, how many tickets can we sell? You know, there were some forward thinkers that were thinking about that, but the level of digital engagement that happened over that 12 to 14 month period is now going to be part of the new live model, right? So the new normal is going to be, is, is in the process of being defined now. And I think consumers will be better off for it. We'll be right back with more of my interview after this quick break. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. 
Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So our tagline, Sean, is prescription for growth. What do you think are three fundamental things that people need to have and be prepared to execute on if they're looking to grow as individuals, as you have? Um... I mean, I can think of, I could just think back to, to, to my experience, right? I think the first thing is vision, like have vision, like have goals. Um, and it, all of those goals may not, or, or your may, may not be executable. You may not reach them. You must, but if you have them, like, again, from my experience, I had goals for myself coming out of college, right? This is the thing that I want to do. And I worked my ass off to get there. And once I got there, some of them, you know, sort of slapped me back in the face and said, no, you don't want to do this. Right. But if I don't have the vision or goals that I set for myself, um, I never get to that point to be able to eliminate options and opportunities. So I think, you know, having a vision, having goals and being able to reset your goals once you, once you reach them, um, is, is very important. Um, I think persistence, you know, just, just putting your head down and working. Like you cannot, you cannot substitute for the work that's needed um, in whatever area of life or business that, that that's in. I think that's really, really important is the persistence. Um, and then I think for me, um, passion, you know, so if you have vision and goals that you set for yourself, and again, this is whether you're managing a business, you know, with, a hundred a thousand employees or whether you're just coming out of college and trying to figure out what, what life's about, right? It's if you have, if you, if you have a vision, um, and, 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 and goals for yourself, if you, if you, if you're persistent and you work, um, and then, you know, you gotta, you gotta be passionate, you know, you gotta be passionate about what you're doing. Well, Sean, this is a question I couldn't wait to ask, uh, to ask you. Yeah. The roots have been successful for Decades. I mean, they've been able to find relevance with just about every generation. How have they been able to do that? Man, it's, it's been it's been difficult, you know, and, 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 and I say it's been difficult because coming out of the box, we were um, we're not your typical um, popular music artists. Right? I, I joke with people, but I, I'm, I'm borderline serious in 25, 30 years, we got one and a half hit songs, you know, and this is a business that's driven by hit songs. 
right? The business of music is driven by hit songs and we have about one and a half. <laughs> um, but um, what we were able to see early on was that, you know, these guys aren't the sort of prolific hit makers, but, you know, their secret sauce, their superpower was live musicianship. And um, live musicianship in the 90s, black live musicianship in the 90s only existed in the church, right? So we had to figure out how we can model a business around these sort of virtuoso type of musicians um, and, and, and create a lane for them where one didn't exist. I mean, people look at Jay-Z and Kanye and, and whomever, name the artist, J. Cole, on tour now, and they all have bands, right? Like, so it's sort of like, if you're coming up in this generation, you're like, oh, everybody has a band, but no. No, you know what I mean? And we weren't the first, but we were the most impactful. Like I remember, I tell a story. I remember we were playing Lincoln University. We were opening up for KRS-One. This was sometime in the night. And um, the fans at Lincoln University, the kids at Lincoln University at the time, who weren't that much older than who, how, much old, how, much, how old we were at the time, they started booing. And we're back backstage like, damn, we, we're not even on yet. What's going on? And we look out and our production managers were setting up our instruments. So they were booing the concept of someone's about to come out and play live music with instruments. You know what I mean? It was like, damn, like the fundamental concept of what we're built on, they're booing. And obviously we went out and, you know, halfway through our set, you know, they, 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 they turned up. But um, so, yes, yeah, so I say that to say, we've mastered the art of going against the grain. So I think that's the first thing is really back to that persistence, like and modeling and having a vision. So that was sort of the first part of our career. And then sort of the second chapter, which I'll say was post Jimmy Fallon, post the late night show. Um, we started, I started building um, ancillary businesses for the two principals, Questlove and, and Black Thought around their passions and interests, right? It's like, okay, we have a day job, so to speak, on Jimmy Fallon. You know, Amir, what are you interested in? DJing, culinary, film and TV. Tariq, what are you interested in? I want to write a musical. I want to do, you know, a, a, a podcast series. So I started doing that as well. So we were able to take the sort of fundamental, you know, creative brand that we, are, that we built in music and implement it in different, different other different areas of business. So uh, this this is a strategy question I, I got for you, right? So I'm, I'm getting ready to tap tap your your MBA and and, <laughs> and your experience all at the same time. Uh, festival and concerts cost a lot of money to put on. I, I don't Absolutely. think people people realize how much it costs. Absolutely. As you look out to the future, how will the role of social media and digital play in that space? I mean, they've been a disruptor in everything else in life, all right. How will they play and how will, do you see a strategic partnership with them as you look in the future? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that was, um, that's one of the um, strong benefits that came out of the COVID period, right? Um, in my mind, as I was building out my portfolio of festivals and partners, um, it, you know, what happened is the term scaling is redefined. It redefined scaling in my mind, right? Because prior to uh, prior to the sort of period of COVID, 
scaling to me was like, you know, one of my partners is a, a festival in, in DC called Broccoli City Festival, right? Um, I have a festival in Philadelphia called the Roots Picnic, right? Scaling to me was, okay, can I take these festivals from one day festivals to two day festivals, right? Scaling to me was, can I take these festivals that are, that's in DC and move it and, and, and add a, a market in LA, right? Can I take the Roots Picnic and add a market to London, right? So it was like, okay, I'll go from 40,000 to 80,000 to, you know, 160,000. That was, that's what scaling was pre COVID. Um, what you're, what you're talking about, social media, digital content, you know, it just sort of amplifies scaling, you know, I'll give you an example. Roots picnic, um, 2020, I had 40,000 tickets sold for a one day festival in March when we went down, when everything went down. I, what people didn't realize was two weeks after we went down, we were going to announce a second day. And my headliner for that day was going to be none other than Michelle Obama. Right. So I probably would have sold another 40,000 tickets, right? 80,000 people would have been the biggest Roots picnic ever. Didn't happen. We came up, we said, okay, let's do Roots picnic virtual. Let's leverage the Michelle Obama relationship. I partnered with YouTube. We did a Roots picnic virtual on YouTube. I got 1.5 million views and still counting. Right. So that 80,000 that I was hoping for was increased tenfold just by the advent of this digital partnership with YouTube. And not only was it increased, that we increased from a territory perspective. Now I have a global audience that knows what the Roots Picnic brand is that never came to Philadelphia. All right. So for me, as I'm looking across my portfolio of festivals now, you know, I have the, the, the biggest festival of black culture in Philly, in D.C., in Atlanta, in the Bay Area. Now it's like, OK, now I have this portfolio of festivals. Now, who's my digital partner? Who's my social media partner that can amplify the portfolio to be 10, 15, 20, 100 million you know, views and impressions versus again, just increasing it to two or three days. So I, the short answer to you, because I know I'm a bit long when the short answer to your question is digital content, social media will, will redefine live music. And, you know, five years, just as digital and uh, file sharing and, and, uh, uh, and, and DSPs and Spotify and Apple redefine recorded music. Uh, and now here's a technical question, but I'm going to slide it in here. Yeah. Will it change the way that music rights are defined? I think it's already changing the way music rights are defined. Okay. You know? Yeah, it's, right. it, it, it's in process. I mean, I think, you know, live music um, has not, live music, of, of all of the areas of the business, we're probably the last uh, area that up to this point hasn't been disrupted by technology, mm -hmm. right? We're the last part, you know, the recorded music side, Napster, and, and that, that, that was a, a pure disruption. And what came out of the other side was Spotify, Apple Music, right? The publishing right. Por portion, disruption, right? Um, we, I mean, we had technological advances, like you don't have to need a paper ticket anymore. Now you have a cell phone, but, but true disruption, right? So I think, 
you know, I think in the other areas of the business, you're really seeing these sort of music rights and, and, and these deals being renegotiated every time there's a new platform that comes, come TikTok and Triller that, that sort of brings out, you know, sort of exploitations of these copyrights that weren't, weren't thought of before. Right. right. You, you have to sort of redefine those relationships. So, so yeah, it's already happened. Right. So here's a final question, Sean. Yeah. Tell us, the, in your opinion, the greatest concert slash festival mm. that has ever been put on and the one that you want to put on that will make history. Wow. Um, all right. The greatest concert that has ever been put on. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll give you a couple different answers to this, right? Okay. All right. That's fair. The greatest concert that I've ever seen and that I happen to be blessed to be a part of was um, a tour called the Glow in the Dark Tour. Okay. 2008, Kanye West. It was Kanye, Rihanna, Pharrell. Um, I think Lupe Fiasco was on that tour, you know, um, and it sort of redefined uh, live music production, not only just for, for Black folks, for period like period Kanye's vision and creative vision. It was like him landing on a planet. He had no band members on stage and no one on stage except him and this sort of computer person that sort of used his music to get him off of the, it was just crazy. Right. So I think, and it was impactful. So when you look at the Travis Scott's and you look at the Jake Coles and you look at the, even some of the cold play creativity that happens now, like not only were they influenced by Kanye, the team of creatives that Kanye had are the ones that are building these other things. Right. So that's just, just the illest, the illest show that I've ever, and I happen to be a part of, um, the festival that, that, that and I've ne and I never, and I've never been, I never attended it, but just the idea of it, my OG produced it is the Budweiser music fest. Like when I look back on those flyers and it's like Rick James, Patty LaBelle, new edition. I'm like, Shit. <laughs> like, I wish I would have attended. Like, you know, they, I was able to take R&B and put it in stadiums, right? Um, so the, the, the back half of that question is, what is it that I want to do? I want to do that for this generation of R&B. Like, I want to be able to build a stadium-level festival. I don't know if it's a festival one-off or a tour or what that's specific to multi-generational R&B, like he did with the Budweiser Superfest, where you can come and see Erica Badu, Jill Scott, Mary J. Blinds, but you're also seeing Summer Walker, her and Janae Aiko, but you're also seeing, you know, some emerging artists, you know, the lucky, you know, lucky days and some of the, the other art where it's all just a, a one big R and B love festival. I have a festival that I partnered with the artist, her called um, lights on festival in the Bay area. And our headliners were her and Erica Badu, right? We had SWV Keisha Cole, but we also had Fouché and Tone Stiff, right? So that's a mini version of it, but I want to build that Budweiser Superfest of 2022. That's great, man. This has been amazing. Uh, the, the lesson that I've learned today, and I, I, every time I do one of these, Sean, I learn something, is master the art of going against the grain. Absolutely. Love that. Love that. Yeah. And I'm working on that, for sure. And I'm going to close with this. Let's see if I can help you put 
that concert on slash festival that'll make history. That's all I'm gonna say to that. Let's right? do it. Let's do it. All right, thank you, man. This has been great. Appreciate you taking out the time. You've taught us uh, a lot today, and you've clearly given our audience some things to think about as they create their blueprint for success. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, man. Appreciate it. of endless diets and weight loss struggles it's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results introducing smart metabolic burn from brain md your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat imagine burning fat balancing glucose levels and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks this unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula berberine which targets abdominal fat and oea which curbs your appetite with just two capsules a day Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.